What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Happy hair season. Welcome to the desert of the real. Heresy shouldn't be this much fun, but it is. It just is. Especially with the latest AB Live. Audio version for thee in this eternal now in Red Pill Cafeteria. Get ready for my annual show on getting back to basics with Gnosticism. For this reorienting, it's a pleasure being joined by Ike Baker, Alex Rivera, Graham Pong, and Jason Subic. Beyond a clear understanding of Gnostic thought and its relevance today... We will dispel the various polemics and misconceptions of Gnosticism from agenda-driven academics and clickbait social warriors. It's a hunk of hunk of burning gnosis you won't want to miss. And if you want to always have the true information on Gnosticism, keep in mind that you can now download or stream at your convenience Astronosis 2 Meet the Archons. Enjoy more than 12 hours of mind-blowing insights from renowned scholars and visionaries, covering everything from the historical origins of the Archons to psychological interpretations and rituals for individual liberation. The feedback has been phenomenal. The price is too good to be of this world, and sales do help fund the next conference, which we're already planning. Don't forget, too, if you join the Virtual Alexandria Academy, Meet the Archons is added at no extra cost. The Demiurge shudders and Sophia laughs. Please support if you find any value in this content. The Gnostic Revelation is more important than ever, and I can't do it without you. 
I am very grateful for those of you who come through every week. It's not hard to contribute. For example, you can simply pledge a few dollars a month on my Patreon. One-time donations are also really appreciated. It really helps, and I can use all the help, as we all do. Other than that, let us to our latest AB Live. Write your own gospel, live your own myth, even if you're under the Silver Lake. This isn't a world that anyone with any sense stays in or spends much time worrying about. You're living in a carnival, throwing little plastic rings at oversized pop bottles, hoping to win a prize. What are you going to win? A two-week vacation? A new car? A little money to retire on? It's all just a shitty, sawdust-filled rabbit. The things you care about are useless where we're going. Welcome, everybody, to A.M. Biden. Welcome to the show on what is Gnosticism. Although that intro clip I just played, I think, uh, does a good job. We could, I could probably drop my mic. But no, we got an exciting show with some amazing minds when it comes to Gnosticism and the esoterica. Great researchers that bring so much to the table and uh, really give us new vistas on the ever- evolving thought or phenomena or modality called Gnosticism. So very excited about today. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturn Day. My name is Miguel Connor. I am your pompadus of Gnosis, and we are all Johnny Meatsacks here. We All of us are men who still have nipples, and we're still trying to figure that out, but that's what we'll do today. So great to see everybody. I see people already in the chat. Uh, I'll keep repeating this. Uh, This is a good show. If you have any questions about Gnosticism, I still get a lot of emails every week, but this is your chance to ask anything you want to know. Please super chat them. And uh, yeah, let's uh, make sure there's no uh, Watiko in the Chitiko, as we like to say here. Not much else. Uh, house cleaning. Great shows coming next week. Uh, we'll have a show on the first female pharaoh. Our guest will be Andrew Collins. And he's got uh, this cool theory that he's, uh, well, it's not his theory, but he's researched how Gnosticism might be even older not just older than Christianity, but might have started in some way, like around 1800 BCE with uh, Soberg Nefriru, I'm misspelling her name, and this weird uh, Egyptian dynasty that had some weird ideas and actually was right before Akhenaten. But we'll get to that next week. But that's the fun. Things keep keep evolving. So with us today, we'll start, first of all, we've got Ike Barker, who's uh, excellent documentary, What is Gnosticism, Part 1 and 2, I highly recommend. Ike, please say hello and maybe introduce yourself a little bit. Hello, uh, I'm Ike Baker. Miguel, thanks for having me on. I'm a big fan of this show for a long time now. And um, yeah, like Miguel said, I've been putting out 
content on um, my YouTube channel, Arcanum. Uh, I believe there's a link to that. And uh, it ranges from Gnosticism. Uh, I recently did some episodes on Neoplatonism. Uh, the two are obviously very intricately intertwined. And uh, my background is that I'm actually not a man of letters. I, I'm not a Platonic scholar. I'm not a Gnostic scholar. I am a um, primarily a ceremonial magician in the tradition of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn and an occultist. And I came to Gnosticism um, through those kinds of Western esoteric initiatic lineages. And so uh, I'm here today um, to uh, kind of powwow and, and talk. I'm very excited to be with everyone in this chat. Thank you so much for having me. Great to have you here. And I'm sure somebody's already talking about, oh, what about people saying Gnosticism is satanic? Of course, we can deal with it. And of course, maybe I could say, well, duh. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, with us, too, we've got uh, Alex Rivera, who's put out some amazing books and continues to put out some amazing articles. Even recently, I put a YouTube short uh uh, based on his work with uh, Tracy Twyman that connects uh, Baphomet and Sophia. And needless to say, I got a lot of blowback, mostly from modern Gnostic communities, because how dare you associate Baphomet and Sophia? Unfortunately, we still live in a world where people think that Sophia or the goddess is sort of a non-Christian version of the Virgin Mary, and she's got to be perfect. And uh, But that's not, that's not classical. Alex... Welcome, and please tell the audience a little bit about more about yourself and where where they can blah, 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 blah. I need more coffee. Where they can find more about your heresy? Sure. So, uh, first of all, yes, my name is Alex Rivera, and I did co-write a book with uh, Tracy Twyman uh, a while back, uh, back in 2015, about the the subject of the Baphomet. But uh, lately, I've been more more uh, interested in my own. Uh, work. I wrote a couple books actually called, one is called uh, The Sun Lady Unveiled which you can find on Amazon. You can find it on my website called to the Aeon theaeonai.com <laughs> uh, It's been a while since I updated the website but um, but that's besides the point. But I also uh, I wrote another book that came out recently. It's called uh, The Laurel Turns Green. Uh, yeah, so it has like, a, well this one's really more about like, it's a different um collection of uh articles i wrote for my website a while back and then i decided just to put them all together into one book again because i didn't i did deleted them and then i like wait a minute a lot it's pretty good stuff so let me just uh <laughs> republish it so like so you know make make it more accessible for people but um but yeah but this one um which is really very much in, interconnected with the sophia archetype of course um it does connect with well, obviously the Book of Revelation. You know, I get into uh, all kinds of stuff in that book, like you know the Kabbalah, uh, the um, a lot of the uh, uh, Sumerian and Babylonian origins of uh, you know Judaism. So I mean, I, 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 do I what I consider myself like a man of letters? I mean, I guess so, kind of. But um, but I mean, I, I have other interests besides that, of course. You know. <laughs> Uh, so like, you know, I do other things like, you know, I do work of course, full time. I mean, I wish I would get more stuff. of my time. <laughs> Hylic stuff. Yeah. You know, just like, you know, family, you know, stuff like that. But, um, but you know, religion always been really much, uh, been a interest of mine for quite a while. Then also, I mean, I've been also 
dovetail into other things like you know even like you know magic and prayer work and healing mm-hmm. and stuff. so it's like you know I'm, I'm always learning about everything so i guess i guess i tend to be a little obsessive in that way <laughs> but i'm always trying to like evolve my evolve myself my consciousness so that's how i am <laughs> awesome awesome yeah alex's work is great beyond the great research he always gives us a holistic view of gnosticism and other disciplines from ancient times to the present to secret society so you get the whole enchilada if you want to put it together so awesome with us too yeah i'm not a man of letters except for ass uh, <laughs> thought i'd put that out but uh we also have uh, lord sobek who again would like everybody here just puts me to shame with an amazing grasp of gnosticism and uh uh late antiquity religions tell us about yourself man uh well first of all thank you for that miguel i will put my check in the mail to you uh <laughs> um yeah my um my handle on youtube i'm kind of stuck with it was started as a joke and like so many things you're kind of stuck with it um name brand recognition for better or for worse so yes lord sobek um uh but i just call me jason no uh dr lit was like yeah i'm not going to call you lord sobek so uh uh none of the scholars do so uh don't worry about it um so, Miguel, first off, I want to thank you for inviting me to the virtual Alexandria. It's an honor. Um, big, big fan of the show. Um, like when you came on my show, when uh, we talked to Robin Faith Walsh for a while, uh, like I introduced you, uh, you are uh, like the David Bowie of the frontmen of, of the Red Pill <laughs> online. Uh, so, you know, I, I just... Uh, <sighs> I don't know. I guess I have an okay grasp of Gnosticism. I just want to preface this by saying, even though I have a, a, a academic background in religious studies and history, I, uh, I'm not like PhD or degreed in that sense, like a, an, even a Roshnikov or a, uh, anybody like that. I, I'm just a guy <laughs> in my office uh, and uh, studying on my off time. So um, it's just a passion of mine, I guess. Um, I have a channel called uh, We Are Being Transformed, uh, taken from M. David Litwa's book, We Are Being Transformed, which is about Paul's soteriology. Um, I use the title because um, it seemed to be a good kind of um, analogy for his model of dynamic cultural exchange. Um, and I think one of the problems in not just like Ivy League scholarship, but like on YouTube is that people on either side, whether it's religious studies and the Christianity history side or the classics and the mythology side of like Greece and Rome and the mystery religions, things like that, um, they tend to want to vacuum seal those things off from each other. So my show is about everything. Um, Like I was saying, um, you know, Neoplatonism and and Sethian, uh, Christians go like, you know, peanut butter and jelly at certain times. <laughs> Those people were in a Plotinus's lectures, uh, you yeah. know, arguing. I mean, they wouldn't be, um, they wouldn't be writing treatises in, in the hundreds of pages against them if they weren't like important and, and participating in their culture. Um, and I, that's one of the things I hope we do with the show today, just in terms of like uh, misconception. Breaking the misconception that Gnosticism, like some people have mentioned, um, is a thing that's very much like purposely cutting itself off 
from the, the rest of the world. Certainly they're using that rhetoric, like a lot of early Christian and Jesus movements do, but right. they're, I mean, they wouldn't be doing that if there were other people around and like who were maybe a little bit too into, you know, going to all the festivals and the sacrifices and eating the meat. Right. Um, so yeah, check, check out, uh, we are being transformed. It's not, there's a lot of Gnosticism. I've, I've talked to people that, oh, you know, the, uh, the names like Dylan Burns, David Brackey, but none as far as like Miguel. Miguel like has talked to everybody, right? John Turner, uh, Karen King, Rest in uh, peace, yeah. yeah, April DeConnick, all the greats. Uh, you know, by the way, hook me up with with that one, Miguel, if you can. No, I'm kidding. Um, I'll mortgage all my stuff for for that interview. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, just check it out. We got stuff on. I, I geek out on the classics a lot. I, I um, got stuff on Greek novels, Paideia. Extremely important if you're an educated person in the ancient world. Paideia is extremely important. Um, and of course, I've talked on both sides of the issue with people like Dylan Burns, David Brackey, and David Litwa about Gnosticism as a term. So um, sorry for the long-winded introduction. Uh, Moondog, I always love seeing you on the show and your contributions. And uh, nice to meet you, Alex and Ike. Uh, Graham, I know you. Thank you for your support and all your great uh, contributions always in the chats and uh, discussions. So thank, thank you, you all for having me. I'm happy to be here. Pleasure is all ours. Yeah, I love your channel. And yes, we've discussed uh, the term Gnosticism and all that good stuff. And like I sometimes I, I try to use the term Alexandrian offworlders because I think, yeah, none of these groups, Gnostics, Neoplatonists, Hermeticists, Alchemists, probably wouldn't have existed if they weren't interacting and fighting. And all of us, I'm sure here, if we had a time machine, one of our top five destinations would be Alexandria around 100 AD, just to hang out and see what's going on there. So yeah, it was an amazing just, time. Yeah, if I could put like just a little thing on there, like I love that because just imagine you're going through the marketplace say you're like going through the marketplace of alexandria you're you have people with greek magical papyri right here next to the dude who's selling his uh you know mystery cult here versus and there's right. like the sethian gnostic and then maybe there's the orthodox christian on the other side and yeah 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 these all these yeah. religious specialists people interpreting your dreams wild time uh, huge diversity so yeah it would be a blast but uh yeah well, we try to recreate it here. And with us, too, we've got a man who needs no introduction, uh, probably the most damn soul in the universe, and that's Grandpong. Graham, how are you? Oh, trying to get as undamned as possible. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, as I say, I, I, I'm here for comic relief for the most part. I, I can, In Gnosticism, I consider myself sort of uh, somewhere between apprentice and journeyman. You know, my specialty, official degrees, economics, had the uh, apprenticeship in math under Dr. Hilton. I did the uh, show with uh, Miguel on earlier this year. And uh, since 2019, been involved in various different research projects that uh, always researching, never actually finishing the book. I've got a bunch of snippets out on some of my homo divinis stuff with, uh, you know, again, an alternate uh you know, species of, uh, you know, of, of basically the genus Homo from Southeast Asia. I've done mm -hmm. a deep dive recently that I haven't gotten a lot uh, formalized and out on on the uh, Abrahamic religions and their origin and interrelations and, and lots of research here and there. Always great to see Jason, you know, known him for uh, a few years here. 
not as many as Miguel, I think. Uh, are we actually up to 20 yet? Uh, I think we're Mike... getting close to 20, yeah. Back when, <laughs> back in the PHP era, the forums back then when we'd have our little chats. Exactly. Long before the thought of anything like YouTube ever came up. So, uh, yeah, no, I got more coming out here. Got to do some more work with uh, Miguel figuring out how to uh, properly structure it and present it. And uh, looking forward to a, a lot of uh, groundbreaking material coming out for me coming up here. Awesome. And tagging, tagging on out. We look forward to it, especially your, your, your ideas on how Christianity came about will blow people away. Hopefully we'll have that uh, sooner rather than later. And with us, too, we've got the Moondog Vans. Vans, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Happy to be here with all these illustrious guests and uh, waiting to hear all the Gnosis from the Gnostics. And uh, Gnosis is kind of like a jewel. You know, what shape is a cut diamond? You know, what shape is so, <laughs> so many facets, right? It's a word. Uh, we rally around the word. So uh, it brings us together, you know, that just one word is very powerful. And uh, what I'll say about it right here at the start is um, it is the one thing that kind of puts us on the side of taking our journey rather than being led by a tour guide like in the Grand Canyon, right? <laughs> he sits you on a donkey and sends you down there tells you what he wants you to know and that's the end of it well we're you know we're into exploring we're explorers we explore the universe and the mysteries of life ourselves not without help of course so well said yeah. yeah indeed yeah experience it uh as charles stein said on the show uh the text is the secret only you you will interpret it the way you are and it will affect your life and it's uh, it's not, it's not nothing like cause and effects or linear. Like, for example, in Ike's uh, documentary, uh, great documentary, but in one part, uh, I got a great insight because I think he, you quote Hesiod saying that uh, the only animal the lion is afraid of is the rooster, and I was like, "Whoa, great! That's another stream of Abraxas." And there's no one stream of Abraxas, but these things. Just like Superman wasn't, there's many streams to Superman or any modern mythology. And as you learn these streams, it enriches your lives because you understand what they were doing. And yeah, very cool. A living thing. Religions are living. Indeed. So uh, again, if please, uh, if you have a question in the Chatico, please super chat them because there's already a lot of people. And we want to try to get to you. But first, I just wanted to start with a quick definition from a chat GPT, simply because, again, people are always asking about uh, what is Gnosticism. So I came up with this little corny video today and I will read it for you. Here it is. Okay. Gnosticism is an ancient spiritual belief system that suggests the world we see is not the ultimate reality. It emphasizes the idea that hidden knowledge or gnosis can lead to a deeper understanding of existence and one's connection to a higher divine realm. Gnostics believe that this world is flawed and created by a lesser, sometimes malevolent deity, and true enlightenment comes from recognizing and transcending its limitations. The focus on personal experience and inner awakening rather than rigid religious structures. Gnosticism has had various forms throughout history and has influenced a range of religions and philosophies. 
It's like a secret path to wisdom where seekers aim to uncover profound truths that go beyond the surface of everyday life. So what do you guys think? Yay or nay on the, the Archon giving us a definition of Gnosticism. <laughs> That's a yay. For sure, Sounds yeah. good to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it just pulls from, you know, it, it's good at pulling from other places. So, it, right. So, I think it's a good definition. Um, the other, now I wanted to play too as we set things up. This video that I sent, it's part of his documentary. We couldn't play other parts because uh, trade copyright and whatever. Even two days ago, I got nailed by YouTube when we had Ian because we played. Um, uh, we played a uh, video, a music video, Phil Collins. I mean, I understand I'm being punished for listening to Phil Collins, but give me a break. But anyway, here is the video, and we can talk a little bit about this too. In the ancient Egyptian conception, a human being was metaphysically multifaceted. They were comprised of several aspects contributing to their overall spiritual architecture. These aspects, or quote-unquote layers, existed coterminously, interpenetrating and having a hierarchical influence on one another. These were divided typically into at least nine separate divisions, which we'll pare down by focusing on three. The Ket, Ka, and Ba. The Ket was the physical body of a person which was the physical quote-unquote ground or focal point, a kind of center of gravity and anchor for the various subtle aspects of the larger composite organism. The Ka was an exact replica of a person, comprised of the substance of quote-unquote life force. This was later referred to in theosophical circles as the quote-unquote etheric double. The Ba was represented hieroglyphically by a human-headed bird, which traveled through the terrestrial realm and the celestial realms while a person was alive as well as after their death. In an alchemical context, these can be corresponded to the three philosophical essentials of salt, mercury, and sulfur, body, spirit, and soul, respectively. Good stuff there, Ike. Yeah, I love it. And it was a sink, as I was telling you, because... Uh... Uh, Vance and I did a interview with a uh, Freemason who's trying to get back to the foundation of Freemasonry, the Philosopher's Stone, and he figured it out and everything else. But in his book, he, there's a section where he talks about the Egyptians. Uh, when we fall asleep, uh, the Ka stays and the Ba goes floating around in the Celeste. Jung would love that. And it sometimes Egyptians had to write the names on their bed or their tomb so that the uh, the Ka would remember before dawn or the, the Ba wakes up to come back to the body instead of just floating there. So uh, tell us about this section. Is this, you think, relates to the Gnostic idea of hylic, pneumatic, and psychic bodies? That's basically what I was trying to get at um, in, in some of that stuff. Again, you know, I had to, I had to actually pull that from my Patreon account uh, because, um, like you're saying, copyright stuff. So... Um, I was try attempting to get at that, but also uh, what what the lead in was towards um, is the idea of, I guess, ritualistic rectification, uh, which we find in theurgy, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Neoplatonic theurgy, and also in 
at least we could surmise, because we don't really have the actual details, uh, the ritual forms of either theurgy or um, the early Christian uh, ritual stuff, we get bits and pieces. But it, it kind of transfers over into uh, early Gnosticism, you know, in, in terms of parallels like the, the sequential bat baptisms in like the, the book of Yaol and, and that sort of stuff. So that's kind of where I was going with it because um, within the, the paradigm of the Western esoteric traditions, particularly ceremonially, theurgy is, is that kind of alchemical process which has to be undergone repeatedly and frequently. It becomes a lifestyle essentially that um, is sort of, well, not sort of, but it's our conception or our way of uh, transcending um, the wash and dry cycle of samsara here, if I could <laughs> put it that way. You know, uh, and, and it, it, in a sense, once that path is undergone, you begin expediting uh, karma, which, you know, I use these, I use Eastern terms because they're, they're more immediately accessible, uh, but there, there's a rich um, Greek tradition for this kind of stuff, for instance, in the, the Greek term anage, which a lot of people translate as necessity, it really it means constraint. And when you find it in in um, in, in Plato's uh, The Republic in Book Ten, the myth of Ur, the spindle of anage, really what's being discussed is this karmic mechanism of the universe, um, and and how a soul, a ba, is bound right to its to a, a diamond and then further into physical materiality so in, in western initiatic traditions really the end goal is is the theurgic union uh with the higher the i guess some people would call it the bornless aspect of your spiritual architecture uh and so all of my channel is, is kind of, you know, it's still early on. I've, I've only been doing this since I've been studying this stuff for 20 years. I've been an initiate for almost 10. Um, but uh, my channel has only really been around since I want to say January. So I'm still laying the foundations for this kind of stuff um, and telling people, you know, uh, the relevant parts, um, insights from a practitioner uh, rather than just kind of the rote accumulation of, of scholarly stuff. Which is there too, right? Because I, I have to rely on that. I don't want to go off into, um, I don't want to go too far off into woo, -woo world. But, uh, <laughs> but that that's really what what my channel and what my work is is uh, geared towards is teaching people about the you know magical practices and where they come from in the Western esoteric tradition and what specifically they're trying to do. Yeah, and great job, great channel. Anybody else want to speak to this or perhaps speak to the origins of Gnosticism or want to jump in and dispelling misconceptions about Gnosticism? Again, uh, anybody can jump in at any time. Maybe we should attack the satanic accusation that was often uh, filed against us. I did want to uh, comment on what Ike said about the uh, the three different aspects of the soul. Um, <clears throat> uh, with that video, I, I know in like in the Kabbalah they talk about the three mother letters. So like in the Sefer Yetzirah, so you have like the uh, this that connects to I think it's like sulfur, mercury, and some other one I'm missing out. But basically the, that makes up you know the entire 
matrix of our existence here, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, but, you know, the, those mother letters uh, connect with, you know, the the divine feminine, you know, that's, that, which could also connects with Sophia. And I guess you, make, you can say Barbello and all this kind of stuff. But, I mean, I mean, that's what really what all the, these Gnostics were getting at. You know, we're trying to get in touch with that, the feminine part of uh, our multiverse, basically. <laughs> So uh, basically, like in the um, in the Kabbalah, they talk about uh, Bina, and it's on the uh, I think it's on the left side, the left pillar, right? So Bina is like represents is re represented by the uh, high priestess. I know I'm getting off tangent here, but but that's great. But you know, the high priestess, you know, she that's like you know the ruler of the universe, basically. So um, so that also connects to it, it, then you, that connects to Saturn and. So, and then you can say, you know, Saturn's also like an aspect of the Demiurge or is the Demiurge, you know? So, so it's very, I know it's very convoluted if you're not, if I haven't really studied this kind of stuff for a while, but, but yeah, I just want to mention that it, it does remind me of the three mother letters. So. Yeah. yeah and it, 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 it also, uh, from, from a, from a hermetic Kabbalistic perspective. Yeah. Aleph is the sort of, um, Aleph would be spiritual fire, so sulfur. Uh, Mem would be the, the salt, the body. That's the feminine. Right. And then Shin would um, Shin would be the fire. I'm sorry. Shin would be the fire. Mem would be the uh, – the, so Shin would be sulfur. Mem would be salt. And then Aleph would be the balance between them, mercury, which is really interesting because we, you even get back to right, Plotinus's concept of uh, the three hypostases. Right. Yeah. Really right here, the active – positive uh and then the receptive negative and that balance between them that that mercury that neutral or or really combination of both it, it's it's not bereft of active or positive positive it contains both of them so uh it, yeah it goes um really far back i mean i kind of operate under the assumption that it goes even further than that, you know further back than that but um i i haven't come across anything exactly um, outside of mythology, right? There's lots of uh, there's lots of um, familial trinities in ancient Egypt. You know, you had uh, Ra, Khonsu, and Mut, yeah. and they would do their procession during the uh, the Opet ceremony in the in the New Kingdom of um, of Egypt down in Thebes. So yeah, this stuff has been around for a while, and I. I I, I kind of understand where the Satanism thing comes from. I definitely think we, we should attack that, you know, because sure. for a really long time, yeah, there was, I mean, since, since, since Christianities really came to the fore, they've been jockeying for, for orthodoxy and, and for authority. And, um, you know, un unfortunately, uh, they, they didn't, you know, the Gnostics kind of got, I don't want to say wiped out, but uh, um, Valentinus did not win the bishop uh, position of, of, of Rome. So we have this kind of like this, this clerical force or authority that's been trying to knock the supposing, um, the supposing, I guess, soteriological or, or cosmological worldview uh, just off the playing field. And I think a lot of that has to do, it gets mixed in during the middle ages. There's a lot of just superstition in general surrounding clerical authority. And what's really interesting is um, you see in the Renaissance, uh, 
uh, a, a theologian, a scholar in Heinrich or Henry Cornelius Agrippa, who finds yeah. all this, right? He's got all this new material. Uh, the, the Corpus Hermeticum had just been translated. The, the works of Plato had just been translated. Uh, and the works of the, the Neoplatonists had just been translated largely by Marsilio Ficino. And so he starts drawing on these things and, and rescuing that, that sort of folk superstition. And, and really, uh, by his own words, you know, he admits that what I'm trying to do with this whole trajectory is, is, is reconstruct or rehabilitate uh, this divine theurgic model of ascension. You know, he called it perfection in the divine mind, noose. But essentially what it was, it was starting in the material and, you know, going further. It's this route of ascension that we constantly th see throughout history. Uh, I think that is, if anything, um, I, I want to say not the subtext, but like that hidden through line, that underground stream in all esotericism. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Yeah, well said. I mean, the, <clears throat> the idea, the Gnostic idea, it is Luciferian. I mean, there's this ancient myth going way back even with the Anunnaki of some rebellious goddess. You've got Cybele, who either is androgynous and either castrates herself or the other gods castrate, and there's this fall, and the Gnostics are tapping into this great fall that is just part of creation. Like you said, Ike, it's just the way it is. And this, uh, this goes on in so many other uh, religions and traditions, but then Christianity comes and uh, well, even before that, Plato, the fall of the soul, the high adventure. I mean, the Odyssey, some people said, is just Ellen of Troy is just the soul's adventure through matter and her restoration back to where it begins. But then comes Christianity and says, no, that's bad. Just being trapped in a garden and screwing things yourself is what it is. And it sort of takes away that really poetic beauty of the fall of the soul and the adventure into matter that we see everywhere else. And just decides to basically create uh, Lucifer or Satan out of whole cloth when it comes down to it. I mean, it's it's an older, or it's a, you might say a newer, it's a newer theology, this idea of Satan and hell and all that. As Robert Price said, there's no evidence in the Bible that Satan is even in hell. He's a principality of the air. He has his own duties and jobs like everybody else in the universe, so... Well, Silly God's Christians. lawyer, right? <laughs> yeah, that's part of his job. Yeah, <laughs> Book of Job, <laughs> Perry Mason. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think a lot of it also comes from you know the, the Ophites, who were you know uh, snake worshippers, so, quote unquote, right? So um, you know, re revering revering the snake as tempter in the, in that Edenic, uh, you know, mythology of the fall. So yeah, of course, Orthodox Christians are going to be like they're rooting for the bad guy, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. And again, there's many streams going through this. Like I mentioned, the lion and the rooster. There's no, we want to, for those of you who want to live in this sort of uh, cause and effect, and this is how, but there's many streams. Once, And you got to get yourself into this sort of mythological, symbolical mind to really get it. That's how you get Gnosticism, Neoplatonism. That's how you really enjoy the richness of Christianity, Judaism, any of those religions out there. So, um that's certainly impo important. What I like too is that 
I remember in the debate with Bart Ehrman and Robert Price at uh, Mythicist Milwaukee, and this I think now it's 10 years. And don't get me wrong, I love Bart Ehrman's just a great guy to hang out with and all that. And he sort of uh, was flipping to Robert Price like, oh, are you still on that outdated term about Gnosticism being influenced by Egyptian lore and Zoroastrianism? Now, I re- now it's gotten, now it's turned because... Again, scholars like David Litwa, uh, Dylan Burns, April DeConnick are like, it is so obvious that Gnosticism and Hermeticism tap directly into Egyptian mysticism. They're the heirs of this sort of tradition. So again, things always change. So any any comments on the origins of Gnosticism, pre-Christian, where it came from? I mean, yeah, just imagine like you have the hotbed in Alexandria, which is in Egypt, right? And then right. you're supposed to say, yeah, that's totally insulated and has nothing to do with the the, 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 the milieu in which it grew up. I, I think if, if it's possible, can I just touch upon like this the satanic misconceptions really quickly? Please do. Just man. from a historical standpoint, I think lately the misconceptions come from this um, apologetic standpoint that Gnosticism um, – is a second century deviation from an original proto-orthodoxy. Um, and I think that uh, Walter Bauer showed in the early 20th century pretty conclusively that diversity preceded uh, orthodoxy. Um, it's like any other thing, like, like do you have Judaism or Judaisms and different types of Judaism uh, at exactly. the time? It's like any other religion. So like, the problem is that um, I think where we get off topic is when, uh, yeah, first off, we think that it's uh, deviating from an orthodoxy, which creates a value judgment, right? Like like Litwell always says, right, Miguel? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It creates a value judgment about who gets to be counted in this conversation and whose ideas are, are important and matter, right? Um, I think that um, the problem is it, whenever they call it a deviation, um, we tend to miss what's rich about this subject on its own terms, right? Um, And even when you delve deeper into the term Gnosticism, um, I used to be with, sorry, uh, Dr. Litwick, please forgive me. Uh, uh, I I used to very, very much- He's throwing his beer at the screen right now. (laughs) I used to to very much be on the side of, yes, uh, Gnosticism is is really- uh, problematic term and in some ways i think it still is but after talking to people like dylan burns and david brackey i really think that there was a group uh which we'll call for lack of a better term sethian gnostics who did refer to themselves as that and that like dylan burns said when i talked to him about it it's not sufficient to call them christian or sethian they're you know they're not, you know, that term applies. So I think that there's values in all the different, um, certainly negative demiurgy like Litwa has or biblical demiurgy like Michael Allen Williams proposed are important. But I think that for certain of these groups, especially the Sethians, like Gnostic is is a very, um, not just a convenient term, but I think it's, it's pretty necessary <laughs> to understand where they're coming from as as the immovable race or the seat of Seth, right? So, um, yeah. yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to hijack that. Um, no, 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 good point. I think that's a good point. Uh, again, there are no such thing as ideal boxes or perfect uh, 
perfect types. You do the best you can. I think it was a Dan McClellan, McClellan once said uh, from his teacher, he said, the map is not the territory. All models are probably wrong. Some models are useful. <laughs> I think the Gnosticism Smith, model Jesus is, Smith. yeah, it's useful right now. So I, I would agree it helps more than hinders. So. Yeah, plus the emphasis is is right there in the root of the term, you know, gnosis. This is what what kind of, I mean, we don't te- we don't technically know what that gnosis was, but um, I believe I'm not sure the like what the conference was na- was was titled or anything like that. But I remember uh, reading a while ago in in the, that that sort of uh, anthology volume, Neoplatonism and Gnosticism, edited by Richard Wallace. Uh, in the beginning of that, so that came out a while ago, but in the introduction to that, I, I believe that he mentions uh, a group of scholars would be meeting to discuss, like, you know, the pre-Christian origins of of, of uh, Gnosticism. And more recently, I've read some material that says that over the course of those conferences, those academic conferences uh, that that happened in two sessions over the course of many years, they they did establish at least somewhat of a consensus agreeing that um, there were a group of pre-Christian uh, philosophers, what have you, that called themselves, that referred to themselves as Gnostics. And uh, they were out of some iteration of the Platonic school. The Platonic school for me, that, that's, that's as far as I can, like myself, reliably go back with the historical record. But um, I'm, I'm definitely interested to... to to check out that that episode that you're talking about, uh, that there was some sort of Egyptian dynasty connected. Oh, to that's next that. week. That's then Andrew Collins, yeah. And I think when I talked to April DeConnick at the Astronosis Conference, we were actually in a car driving to a restaurant, and she said, "The origins of Gnosticism, whether it's earlier than pre-Christian, or not, that's it's a wrong question we're asking because." They were the heirs of this ancient hermetic magic, or as some people said more cynical, they were out of work Egyptian priests. And they were like, hey, look at those Hellenistic Jews and pagans. Hey, you want to, we'll be your life coach and we'll give you this hundreds, thousands of years magical theological thing. So it's not like it's not earlier or later. It's like, for example, if you went to another planet, you met an alien species, you're Catholic, and they're like, oh, we love Catholicism. And you gave them all the theology, uh, rituals, all that, and this alien species, and then you left, and this alien species started practicing Catholicism, but they would change a few things because of their atmosphere and culture. Is this a new religion? Is it a continuation of a religion? Or is it an ancient religion? See, it can be all three. And right. still works. So the idea of Gnosticism being earlier or later than Christianity is the wrong question, according right. to April. I agree with that. Yeah, I was, you're 100% right there. That That's the one thing that I keep noticing is the whole wrangling over definitions as opposed to meanings. Mm. And that's where so much of this boils down to. And uh, again, it's where, and that's the problem with understanding Satan versus Lucifer versus Ariman. They're <laughs> all so conflated in so much of the modern mind. And it's tough to sit there and try to untangle that jumbled, uh, you know, ball of uh, whatever you want to call it in your head that that that, that you put together about these things and, and set those definitions straight 
And so much of it's like a Hegelian synthesis where you have two opposing forces that are both underneath a larger umbrella. And this ties back to the very sense of, you know, Gnosticism, because what is Gnosis versus the other types of knowledge? And it's usually something that goes by meaning as opposed to definition. And that so much of what they're doing in the writing is trying to put words and definitions to those Gnostic experience, those, those transcendent experiences they were having. going to tag out on that. Well said. I agree. I agree. Great point, Graham. If I could add something to that, sure. uh, possibly, uh, yeah, Graham, you're you're totally right. Um, we it creates not only creates value judgments, but also and wrangling over definitions and which came first and what's borrowing or as some people in the community like to kind of really hammer home, who's stealing from who, right? Does that is that the right question to ask? I mean, with Litwa's concept of you know. Um, dynamic cultural exchange. The borrowing is often very unconscious. You're in an ether. You're it's it's in the ether in the air, so to speak. Um, I think the problem is um, whenever you start being married to these terms, what happens is you lose sight of the richness. Like even within the groups themselves that you find in Nag Hammadi, right? All the texts, the different texts reflect different people. Like there's even um, just going back to the, the the hermetic stuff, you know, there's hermetic stuff in, in the Corpus Hermetica, you know, um, and whoever, regardless of whoever put this, these codices yeah. together. The book of Genesis is in the Corpus Hermetica. Most people don't realize. They have Plato in there, right? It's, yeah. it's crazy. So, you know, whoever, regardless, let's just say hypothetically, it was like uh, an Orthodox monk who got this put together um, or some rich bookseller or, or book, book collector um you know they're still finding value in this and they're not seeing the divisions that we're seeing today so um it's very it's very important to look at them all on a case-by-case -case basis and what the texts and what the ideas tell us that's what i think so i'll tag out on there sorry to interrupt Graham. oh no please do please uh keep contributing this is really good stuff too vance what do you think any questions i don't see any super chats Oh, there no super chats, but there's a lot of discussion about good. Satan and a lot of good points about the, you know, the uh, Satan versus Lucifer versus the devil. Right. And as a, many of us that have been Gnostics throughout the year have been exposed to. Yeah. Well, I, I saw people talking of, and it, they're of course mentioning something I thought I'd bring up later, but we might as well deal with it now. And that is, uh, the uh, modern polemics that are happening with Gnosticism and the, the ghost of Voiglin is being resuscitated because it just makes money. And uh, yes, uh, it's the old uh, Jan Kuliano where Nazism is Gnosticism, communism's Gnostic, everything's Gnosticism, everything I don't <laughs> like is Gnosticism. Right. It's the boogeyman. So I wanted to play this quick video and then hit the ground running with it. Here it is. And. Uh, it's sort of the also on YouTube shorts. It's uh, nasty things that people said about the Gnostics. Here it is. Nasty things said about the Gnostics. A nasty minded adolescent of somewhat pornographic tendencies. Henry Chadwick, church historian. I call Gnosticism the gospel of narcissism. Ben Witherington 3. 
even Satan himself never went to the extreme as the Gnostics did by denouncing the creator of everything in the way that they did. Bishop Irenaeus of Lyons, paraphrased from Against Heresies. Gnosticism is a parasitic cult religion. It shapes itself around whatever else it can steal from. James Lindsay. Those jerks trigger me. God. All right. I thought it would be a good setup. I do agree with the first part about uh, pornographic tendencies. I'm sorry, but sex was an important part of ancient Egyptian theology. The Gnostics, as April DeConnick has said, are shamanistic. They're into ecstatic, altered states of mind. So the body is going to participate in this sort of uh, altered states, uh, rhapsody thing. It's just the way. It's just the way it is. Even when I'm writing my Elvis book. Uh, the Pentecostals were accused by the rest of America of toying with sexuality, and they were. I mean, uh, again, Pentecostalism was was uh, all about uh, shamanistic altered state shaking, and people in the 40s and 50s hated because they were just touching each other and whatever. And of course, Elvis simply borrowed that shamanistic thing and joined spirituality and sexuality, like Prince. Prince's whole music is is that tension between sexuality and God. And that's what the Gnostics were doing in a lot of their groups. So Yo, it's Prince inevitable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was, uh, again, one of the great uh, androgynous shamans of our era, along with Elvis Bowie, uh, Mick Jagger, and all those other guys. Uh, Michael Jackson, of course. But um, the other thing, too, is, of course, we're talking about Satan. Yeah, Irenaeus is pissed off because he thinks at least Satan uh, kind of respects the creator God, and the Gnostics won't even give him that. So to Irenaeus, the Gnostics are worse than the devil. So I guess that settles it, guys. And Gnosticism isn't satanic. It's worse than Satanism. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Satan yeah. hates us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Rosemary's other baby, redheaded stepson baby, maybe something like that. But And then comes James Lindsay because he has been very popular. I mean, he's like huge following. He is, uh, he's different than others because he is an atheist. He doesn't really care for Christianity. But he has been going on the Voigling thing that the Gnostics, again, that uh, postmodernism, Marxism, Nazism is all just modern incarnations of Gnosticism. I'll give them that there are Gnostic elements in there. I don't have a problem with that because, again, a lot of these draw from German idealism and neo-paganism, which does tap into, you know, Hegel and all that does, you know, it overlaps with a lot of Gnostic thought. But I'd like to hear your uh, ideas on James Lindsay. I would have no problem debating him. Uh, he's an intelligent guy, but he's completely wrong on this. My only argument about how these groups are Gnostics is very simple. It's uh, this. Gnosticism has never been utopian. So that destroys his argument right there. There's no utopian ideal in the according to the Gnostics, it's all dystopian, right? We are in a dystopia and there's no way out. You know, the earth is gonna do what the earth is gonna do. So uh Gnosticism is social, it's all about in you know, improving yourself for interpersonal 
relationships, being a good member of the community. You see that in their texts and their rituals. It's a personal religion about how you can be the best version of yourself, but it is not utopian. So that destroys his argument right there, I would say. Um, yeah, that's really... Uh, and then the other one he says too, uh, which you saw in the quote, guys, it says it's parasitic. That's another big misconception about the Gnostics is that Gnosticism is not a religion. It's a, uh, um, what, you, what April calls it, a metaphysical orientation or a spiritual modality. For example, shamanism, monastic life, those are not religions. Those are spiritual modalities that are part of many religions. You have uh, different religions have a shamanistic or a monastic order with it, Buddhism, uh, indigenous religions. And uh, these are not exactly, they're not religions, but they are part of a religion. The monastic life, the shamanistic aspect, and there is a Gnostic aspect too. So Gnosticism is not parasitic. It's like saying shamanism and, and the monastic life are parasitic. They're not. It's just a normal choice that religions might take for whatever reasons to thrive. So it's not, so that's why you can have uh, Sufism or Kabbalah, which are more, the more shamanistic uh speculative uh anarchist part of a religion so that's my second argument but please guys let me know where else james is wrong for the audience because it's very popular and there's it's a huge misconception right now well just just to to backtrack for a second i i really appreciate what you had said about and starting off uh about this idea that really anybody can call anything gnostic you know, you can like if you right. It's it's that that age old thing. If if you're a hammer, every problem is a nail. Right. Um, and and that's what I see happening a lot um, everywhere, right? In this kind of socio political dialogue, in 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 spiritual dialogues, magical religious dialogues, everything is gnostic. I mean, it's a bracket term, and that that is the thing that I guess that's why I lean on the on the on the term Gnosticism, but also I'm, I'm constantly trying to accompany that with, with earlier forms of Gnosticism. Um, because then I can, then I have something to point to and say like, no, this is Gnosticism, you know, <laughs> even if it's completely arbitrary, because like you, like you just said, there, there's a, there's a tremendous metaphysical component. I mean, you look at, you, you look at everything, there's nothing in the world that you could look at and not be thinking of, you know, uh, either the Pleroma or, or you know how this is uh, the Hylic illusion and things like that under under the the Gnostic worldview, and I think that that really boils down to um, I love that definition that April gave you. I think that's fantastic uh, because it speaks to the again going back to the subjective objective dilemma. There there's just certain things that you know there's a gate that you get to in spiritual pursuit. And that gate takes you out of the mundane, material, discursive kind of naval contemplation and into the broader, the broader, you know, experience of what it means to be a human potentially. And you, you have to be willing to go there. You can't be fettered to, to the names and the, and the signs and you, that stuff. You, you have to be able to put that down, take it back up but put it down in order to pass through that gate into the experiential um, mystical. And, and that's the whole thing. I, I think that, right. We can say that what, what defines the, the Gnostics is Gnosis itself. But what is that Gnosis? You know, we, we, nobody can really tell us. 
perhaps the, the cosmology that they espoused had something to do with that gnosis, but ultimately it was a highly personal experience. And to me, I feel like Gnosticism is, is, is if anything, at its heart, I think it's, it, it, it decentralizes this groupthink and, and moves the locus of authority to the, to the individual. I like that. I was going to say, I agree 100%. They'll brand just about anything as Gnostic these days, especially if they can make a buck. I mean, I've, yeah. got, some great, I've got some great Gnostic pans I love. So, you know. <laughs> I think where, um, where the guy goes wrong here is he's confusing with a modern movement that grew out of very much the whole self-help spirituality movement that's gone toxic where it's sort of like the old 70s book. You may remember this one. You're old like me. The I'm okay, you're okay. Oh, yeah. Now it's, now it's become I'm perfect, you're a piece of shite. <laughs> and what that toxic, it's, it's that, that, that it doesn't respect traditions. It doesn't respect anything but its own. It's a narcissistic movement that's out for only its own goals, doesn't care who it hurts, and it'll grab anything that it can to try to further it. And it's grabbed a lot of Gnosticism and tried to, at the same time, use that to further its end and to undermine actual the Gnosticism. So I think where the guy may have some valid points, both about the modern movement and, again, some of the members of the ancient movement did go much farther than what a lot of modern people are comfortable with. Right. I'll just leave it at that. But, um, yeah, I think more of his focus is he's confusing the modern, you know, toxic self-help spirituality movement, narcissism, with the old school, you know, second, third century Gnostics. Tagging again. Exactly. What about you, Alex? What do you think? Yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, Gnosticism has always been like this great boogeyman of uh orthodox christianity you know this has been it's been uh it's been, been like that for a long time you know there's a book by uh, uh edith Starr, i believe she wrote a book called occult theocracy which mm. talks about how uh, a lot of these uh subversive movements come from you know a, uh gnosticism and of course you know then she traces gnosticism with like you know spiritism and all this occult kind of stuff and of course you know in that perspective you know that's it's all negative of course right um but um but but then you see the people like uh james what's his name Lindsay james Lindsay, Lindsay i think yeah, yeah yeah so he thinks like you know he i watched his video uh he was saying like you know the woke cult is very much uh, a Gnostic movement, which I find laughable <laughs> uh, because, um, well, like, and he was also insinuating, like, you know, Fauci was like some sort of like evil Gnostic um, <laughs> prophet or something. And then oh, he's whatever. Like, I'm like, I don't know where it gets at, but okay. <laughs> but uh, a bit, but the thing is, like, like, like the Gnostics themselves would have, like, probably would consider, like, you know, the woke cult, the wokesters, like to be Hylix, you know? So 
and like the and like a you know and Gnosticism. Ooh, look, here's my kitty. <laughs> Bast approves. The goddess yeah. Bast approves. Aww. Uh it's just so basically Gnosticism you know espouses that um the material has to be you know transcendent and abandoned, right? Whereas, you know, the woke, you know, embraces the material as fundamental to the identity of that individual, you know. So so I mean so that's why all these wokesters, you know, modify their, I mean, okay, okay I'm going to get into like a little controversial controversy here, but you know, might as well do it. Because <laughs> some controversial subjects here, but uh, you know, like, you know, you see all these wokesters modify their bodies and change their, you know, gender pronouns, you know, to confirm, conform to their, you know, inner, uh, whatever image they have in their heads, right? So, so their hormones and reproductive organs, you know, are part of their self, right? So they have to modify the body to confirm to that inner self. So, like the Gnostics, on the other hand, you know, they saw the body as, you know, transitory and illusory, you know. So, I mean, so I just kind of get like sick of a. Uh, yeah, but androgyny you know? is important to these ancient Gnostics. Yeah. It's an energy you play within yourself. You right. Know? I, I like that. But again, it's something that's an inner process. Right. Right. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. We all want to become androgynous, spiritual. You know what I mean? We want to reach that beyond anima and animus kind yeah. of stuff. And that that's that's the that that right there comes straight out of permitism by way of uh you know the philosophy of alchemy. Right. Yeah. That's the whole thing, the alchemical rebus, the marriage of Saul and Luna. But I I, I, I do find it I, I like your I like very much like your points, Alex. Um and I, I think also that there, there is something to be said, like you're saying, it, the, how could an atheist talk about metaphysics? You know, their assessment of it automatically is going to be completely biased because they don't believe in any of it. So it, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a negation the whole way through. And people like that, or I should say worldviews like that, perspective lenses like that, that are, that, which are essentially you know, trained into our brains the same way water trains grooves through rock, you know, um, they inhibit everyone, uh, they inhibit people from being able to look at anything outside of the material, most base hyalic manifestation. And so there, that is the essence of postmodernism. There is no truth. There's no truth because there's yeah. nothing, there's nothing that transcends the physical, um, you know, and it's very unfortunate. I, to me, I, I view postmodernism as a, a, a literally a spiritual sickness uh, in in our in our time. And and it's it, the the symptoms of that sickness are things like what what you're pointing out, and 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 just this general uh, I'm perfect and you're a piece of shite. <laughs> you know that right. all of these things are are symptomatic of this inner you know issue of like I'm not going to engage in in that which is really the, the feminine aspect the anima the soul aspect i'm not going to have an experience of that in this life because it does it's not real and to me that's satanism yeah it's inhibiting inhibiting your true potential basically yeah right yeah but uh, i mean i mean well i'll just kind of basically gain at that i get sort of like sick of uh this kind of talk you know with like like you know this guy uh lindsay saying blaming everything on 
the Gnostics, you know, because they haven't really been alive for almost what two thousand years. So it's like they're still creating controversy, you know. So we just, so just you know, just given gives them like you know how we have to give them credit to how you know how controversial they really were, you know. So they they it's just like I'm sure not just created controversy and like Christianity, but less like paganism and. Judaism, you know, Buddhism, Buddhism hermeticism is, yeah. So there are, sorry, I mean, they piss a lot of people off. So <laughs> the yeah. Manichaeans, the Cathars, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they, they just they get secular governments bent out of shape and religious one, and that's a good point too, Alex, because this is what Chris Knoll said is because Lindsay's going, oh yeah, again, it's destroying our society, yada yada yada, but Chris Knowles is like. Well, let's look at the almost unbroken lineage of Gnosticism today. And he said, well, let's look at the Mandeans and the Yazidi, the nicest, pacifist, good people who are still getting beaten up by everybody. That's if you want to say that you want to look at Gnostics today, look at them. Are they a threat? No. So another argument that kind of destroyed, you know, another uh, reason his argument doesn't make any sense. You know, the worst racket is the people who claim they know something about consciousness saying there's no such thing, <laughs> right? The neurologist, there's no such thing as, well, what are you? Why should I even listen to you, right? What are you? Just a machine that says there's no such thing as consciousness? That's really where it boils down to. The one thing we all experience, allegedly, that people can actually still deny yeah the cult of death yeah i think we have to watch out because whether it's Lindsay or other things there is a cult of death that's moving and it appears mm -hmm. to be on opposing views but it all leads to the same thing no consciousness no individuality no borders and yeah it's a complete borg-like nihilistic movement bands and i think that's talk about the real enemy because people have another misconception about gnosticism is that oh, they just wanted to transcend the flesh and this and that. No, 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 no. A, again, they're not utopian. The Gnostics were always part of society. They paid their taxes, went biking, whatever. They were never out there uh, trying to bring things down. I mean, maybe a couple of exceptions, but political weird times. Uh, but the other one is that they wanted to transcend the world, which is not true. They wanted to gain this, like any shaman, gain this knowledge in the spirit world and the world of ideas, and then bring this knowledge and become more human, more whole. It's the old hermetic idea that humans have a special place with the gods and the animals. We're not better than the gods and the animals, but we have a special humanness that we have to attain and tap into to be part of the cosmos. And the Christian Gnostics had the same attitude as like, we need to come back and then how are we going to heal others? Are we going to heal others with our hands? Are we going to give them herbs? Are we going to talk about their psychic problems, try to heal their psyches? Are we going to, it's all about being a better human being. And that's a huge misconception that it, it still goes out even in modern Gnostic things. I mean, yeah, I mean, heaven's gate, had Gnostic elements, but it just missed that little part about <laughs> you're not supposed to jump on the comet. You're supposed to come <laughs> back from the comet with the gnosis for to help your tribe out. So, yeah, look at those look at Zostrianos, right? And and the, the book Bingo. of Zostrianos. When they when these figures and like Zostrianos and Elogenes and things like that, when they're doing their ascent uh and they're taking on these principalities and powers and 
gaining all this knowledge, uh, what do they do at the end? Bullying do they angels. Stay they're out like there? beating. Yeah. yeah, but they're like beating up angels to come back. And what like, are they doing at the end? They're coming back down. They're preaching to everybody. You wake up, and and I think that's the problem. I, I'm. I, I apologize. I, I apologize. I don't really follow apologists or um, people like James Lindsay. Um, I look at it from a more academic perspective, but I think the problem just from that video that you, sh that short that you showed Miguel um, that he put out is that. Um... And there you have it, a pleuromic discussion that only gets better in our second part. Please support this Red Pill Cafeteria and to get the full Red Pill Suppository in our second part. There are many ways to sub and many ways to support and one that will fit your needs or budget. If you need any help with any of these choices, just let me know. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being yourself, your true self, here in the desert of the real. Hello and goodbye, as always. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.